48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. Concerns are raised about suspects extradited to the mainland in future national security cases. Pan-Democrats hit out about possible screening of LegCo election candidates over national security. And mainland human rights lawyer Yu Wensheng is jailed for four years for subversion. National People's Congress Standing Committee member Tam Yu Chung has raised eyebrows by suggesting Hong Kong people accused of breaking the national security law could be extradited to the mainland for trial in future. Mr Tam believes cases involving suspected foreign interference could be among those that the mainland authorities decide to handle because such matters would be at national level involving foreign affairs. Another pro-establishment figure, Executive Councillor and New People's Party Chairwoman Regina Ip, says that the possibility of extraditions to the mainland will worry a lot of people in Hong Kong. There is no doubt that the central authorities have jurisdiction on national security offences. The fact that local courts also have jurisdiction does not exclude the jurisdiction of mainland central authorities. You know, But naturally... Um, if a decision is taken or if the draft legislation has the effect that uh, people, Hong Kong people accused of infringing serious national security offences could be transferred to the mainland for trial, given that the mainland has a totally different uh, legal and judicial system from Hong Kong, that would cause considerable concerns. The pro-democracy campus criticised the Constitutional Affairs Secretary for suggesting that opponents of the national security law will be disqualified from September's Legislative Council election. In interviews with pro-Beijing newspapers, Eric Zeng said it's doubtful that election hopefuls who are against the security law, as well as those who say they want to paralyse government operations, would be truthful in swearing allegiance to the SAR. Democratic Party Chairman Wu Chiwai accused the minister of creating speech crimes. The national security laws will damage the long-term benefits of Hong Kong. And being the representative of the Hong Kong people, we have the duty to voice out the things that people are concerned. We will keep on objecting the national security laws applying to Hong Kong. Amnesty International is among more than 80 rights groups from around the world behind an open letter to the chairman of the MPC Standing Committee urging Beijing not to push ahead with the national security law here. Amnesty's Hong Kong director, Tam Man Kei, believes the upcoming law in the SAR will be too, too similar, will be similar to the country's security law, which he sees as too vague and too broad. It conceptualized national security in such a broad manner that peaceful activists, human rights lawyers, scholars, ethnic minorities, journalists, and netizens are detained, charged, and imprisoned for years, sometimes for life, for very vague, defined crimes, such as, for example, um, subversion, inciting subversion, splitism, and um, leaking state secrets. And the current decision, despite we do not have the uh, details, but it um, includes areas like separat uh, separatism, subversion, terrorism, and activities by foreign and overseas forces exactly overlap with the current uh, framework of national security under the Chinese law. Prominent mainland human rights lawyer Yu Wensheng has been sentenced to four years in jail and stripped of his political rights for three years after being convicted of subverting state power. Priscilla Ung reports. 
Yu Wensheng was arrested by Beijing police in January 2018 after he wrote an open letter calling for constitutional reforms, including multi-candidate elections. His wife Xu Yan told RTHK that she received a call from authorities in Jiangsu Province, informing her that her husband has now been convicted of subverting state power and jailed for four years. Ms. Xu said she does not accept the verdict and will lodge an appeal, saying her husband had been deprived of legal representation. And the court had violated regulations by handing down its decision behind closed doors. When asked about the impending national security legislation in the SAR, Ms. Xu warned that Hong Kongers may one day endure the difficulties that she currently faces. She added that she hopes Hong Kong can maintain its freedoms and democracy. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past eleven. Prominent businessman Alan Zeman has backed the need for a national security law in Hong Kong, highlighting his concerns about terrorism. Speaking at a seminar organised by the pro-establishment think tank Our Hong Kong Foundation, he cited recent seizures of bombs and ammunition in the city. Mr. Zeman also dismissed criticism of Beijing and its human rights record, saying there's a good reason why the country needs to be strong and forceful. Their life has gotten better and better and better. In many cases, better than Hong Kong. And I know the U.S. and some of the other countries talk about human rights in China and talk, and talk about Xinjiang and all these areas. But when you have 1.4 billion people, you need to have a strong government. Otherwise, you have dissension. You have what's happened in Hong Kong with seven and a half million people. We have we have anarchy the last year. A social worker has been jailed for a year after being convicted of obstructing the police as they charged at protesters during a demonstration in Yunlong last July. Vicky Wong reports. Lau Ka Tung from the Reclaiming Social Work movement was found guilty of obstructing an officer by getting in the way as he appealed for police not to go after the protesters who were taking part in an unauthorized demonstration. Although Lau was unarmed, the court heard he had been acting in concert with several other social workers, and between them they managed to obstruct the entire police formation from moving forward for several minutes. Lau was deemed to have messed up their deployment by ending up inside the formation. Fanling Magistrate Don So said the police had a duty to disperse the hundreds of protesters that day, and their action was legal, reasonable, and proportionate. Mr. So added that the defendant had ignored police warnings to back off, and his request for officers to slow down their advance towards the protesters was tantamount to asking them to neglect their duties. As he jailed Lau for a year, the magistrate rejected an application for bail pending an appeal. In response to the ruling, Labour Party lawmaker Fernando Chung said he was there that day, and the social worker had been simply trying to de-escalate the situation. He said the sentence is clearly out of proportion when compared to other cases where defendants actually used violence, and the ruling will have a chilling effect on social workers. Security Secretary John Lee says he's heartbroken to see so many young people being arrested during anti-government protests. He says he's also worried about what's happening to people's morals. Priscilla Ung with that story. In an exclusive interview with RTHK, Mr. Lee says there has been a drop in the average age of people being arrested, and even primary school students are being picked up by the police. He says it's beyond imagination to see how political issues have been hijacked and how people's moral bottom line has fallen to such an extent. The minister says it is extremely dangerous for people to glorify the use of violence and encourage others to break the law, saying society must clearly say no to such behavior. 
Meanwhile, the security chief also questions whether the year-long protests have truly been related to the now-withdrawn extradition law, saying many incidents, such as attacks on people with differing political views, had absolutely nothing to do with the legislation. When asked if he has ever regretted pushing forward the extradition bill despite the widespread opposition, he said he was simply doing what he believed was the right thing. Hong Kong has reported eight more imported COVID-19 cases. Still, as the outbreak appears to be easing, the government announced more public facilities will reopen, as Wendy Wong reports. The Leisure and Cultural Services Department says soccer pitches, cricket grounds and basketball courts will reopen on Saturday after being closed for five months due to the pandemic. Two more swimming pools in Siu Sai Wan and Huang Tai Sin will reopen the same day. Children's playgrounds will reopen next Monday, as will some fee-charging facilities such as grass, soccer pitches, baseball courts and rugby pitches. All government performance venues will open from Friday, but at half the usual capacity and with special seating arrangements in place. Meanwhile, two foreign domestic helpers from the Philippines are among eight new imported cases of COVID-19. It comes as the Philippines and Indonesia lift coronavirus travel restrictions, allowing thousands of newly hired domestic helpers to travel to the SAR. The government was already facing calls from employers and domestic helper support groups to provide quarantine facilities for them. The six other patients travelled from Pakistan. The latest cases take the total number of infections reported here to 1,120. HSBC is said to have revived plans to cut around 35,000 jobs over the medium term. The bank had put the plan on ice after the coronavirus outbreak, but now a memo seen by the Reuters news agency shows that the bank is resuming the redundancy plan and will maintain a freeze on almost all external recruitment. In the memo sent to staff worldwide, Chief Executive Noel Quinn says HSBC couldn't pause the job losses indefinitely. It was always a question of not if, but when, adding that the measures, first announced in February, are even more necessary today. China says it has agreed with India to resolve their border dispute peacefully after Monday's deadly confrontation. Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian says Beijing wants to avoid further clashes along the Himalayan border. The Indian Army says 20 of its soldiers were killed in the clashes, while the Chinese side hasn't revealed the number of casualties. The spokesman also urged New Delhi to impose discipline on its soldiers. Astonishingly, on June the 15th, the Indian troops seriously violated the consensus and crossed the line of actual control to conduct illegal activities. They provoked and attacked Chinese personnel, which led to a physical confrontation between border forces on the two sides and resulted in casualties. The Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi also says his country wants peace, but that it will respond if provoked. Mainland officials have cancelled more than a thousand flights into and out of Beijing as they try to contain a fresh outbreak of the coronavirus. The capital has reported a further 31 cases today. This report from the BBC's Stephen MacDonald. The Chinese capital is, in effect, being turned into a coronavirus prevention bubble. If you haven't done a test within the last seven days, you're not allowed to leave the city. 
However, virus testing capacity is limited and priority given to the hundreds of thousands of people who've either been to the huge Shinfadi wholesale market or live nearby. All of those residents are prohibited from leaving Beijing under any circumstances. 1,255 flights into and out of Beijing have been cancelled today and all schools are closed again. A French court has sentenced the uncle of the Syrian president Bashar al-Assad to four years in prison on charges of embezzling Syrian state funds. Rifat al-Assad is known as the Butcher of Hama for allegedly commanding the brutal crushing of an uprising in the Syrian city in 1982. From Paris, here's the BBC's Hugh Schofield. This was the trial of Rifat al-Assad, an estranged figure from the regime in Syria. He's been living in exile since 1984. He has been on trial for money laundering and for building up, according to the prosecutor's legal portfolio of property worth 90 million euros here in France. And he has been found guilty. He's been convicted. He's been sentenced to four years in jail. And his goods here in Paris, which include luxury homes in expensive parts of Paris and a chateau and a stud farm they are to be confiscated sport and in football this year's european champions league winners will be crowned in lisbon in august a final eight tournament of one-off matches will begin in the portuguese capital on the 12th of that month with the final set for the 23rd the europa league will feature a similar format held in four german cities Bayern Munich are once again champions of Germany. Bayern won their eighth straight Bundesliga title thanks to a 1-0 win at Werder Bremen. They are 10 points above second place Borussia Dortmund, having won every game since coming back from the COVID-19 stoppage. They also have a shot at completing the treble. They face Bayer Leverkusen in the German Cup final early next month and are well placed to reach the quarterfinals of the UEFA Champions League. In tennis, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, has given the green light to the US Open. It will be held between August the 31st and September the 13th behind closed doors. The BBC's Russell Fuller has more. The US Open will take place, albeit in very, very different circumstances. It will be preceded by a number of events, I suspect, but we know one that will definitely take place. The Cincinnati event will be staged in New York in the run-up to the US Open in the same Billie Jean King National Tennis Centre. And the big question now over the weeks to come is how many of the top players will play? Novak Djokovic and Simona Halep sound very, very against playing in the US Open as things stand. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Concerns are raised about suspects extradited to the mainland in future national security cases. Pan-Democrats hit out about possible screening of LegCo election candidates over national security. And mainland human rights lawyer Yu Wensheng is jailed for four years for subversion. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. More than 80 rights groups from around the world have made a joint call on Beijing to drop its planned national security law for Hong Kong. In an open letter addressed to NPC Standing Committee Chairman Li Zhenxu, they say, based on what's known about the legislation so far, as well as China's poor human rights record, the law and its application are not likely to meet international standards. One of the groups behind the letter is Amnesty International. 
Earlier, Anna-Marie Evans asked its Hong Kong director, Tan Man Kei, if it's too soon to be calling for the legislation to be dropped when people don't even know what it will involve. Well, indeed, I think um, at present there is very little details um, disclosed uh, or announced by the Chinese authorities. But I, uh, Amnesty, uh, with a group of 86 civil society organizations, would like, uh, want to call on the Chinese government to abandon plans to introduce the national security legislation for Hong Kong for the reason that uh, we have seen a lot of cases uh, within China uh, under the current uh, framework of national security. Activists, journalists, pastors, uh, or even ordinary netizens are being persecuted for crimes um, that um, the Chinese authorities accuse them of uh, committed uh, against national security. Authorities have time and again said people shouldn't be worried because the law will only target an extremely small number of people whose acts endanger national security. But your letter says everyone is under threat. Why do you think that? Well, I think under the current Chinese law, uh, it conceptualized national security in such a broad manner that peaceful activists, human rights lawyers, scholars, ethnic minorities, journalists, and netizens are detained, charged, and imprisoned for years, sometimes for life, for very vague, defined crimes, such as, for example, um, subversion, inciting subversion, splitism, and um, leaking state secrets. And the current decision, despite we do not have the uh, details, but it um, includes areas like separat uh, separatism, subversion, terrorism, and activities by foreign and overseas forces exactly overlap with the current uh, framework of national security under the Chinese law. So that's why we um, uh, have a lot of concerns and worries about uh, if it's implemented to Hong Kong, it will have serious implications uh, and it's devastating uh, assaults uh, to the human rights situation in Hong Kong. So do you think that rights groups like Amnesty International and others who jointly signed this letter will also be under threat of being prosecuted under the proposed law? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, under the current uh, framework of national security, we have already seen a lot of human rights defenders or even uh, uh, workers of NGOs are being arrested and persecuted uh, under the uh, national security framework and um, associated laws. So how hopeful are you that Beijing will budge in the face of international pressure? I think right now, uh, uh, MSC want to highlight that there, uh, there, there are six United Nations Special Rapporteurs have already expressed concerns to the Hong Kong government about um, its overly, uh, overly broad and imprecise definition of acts of terrorism, uh, which may result in unintended human rights abuses. Um, and they also have uh, expressed concerns regarding the current legislation, whether it would comply uh, with um, international human rights laws that Hong Kong government um, has been uh, one of the, has been a signatory since the handover in 1997. The Democratic Party is urging Britain to offer BNO passport holders in Hong Kong the right of abode or full British citizenship, saying its ambiguous offer of a route to citizenship does not engender confidence. The party has written to London about its concerns, saying the UK must fully and honourably discharge its responsibilities to the Hong Kong people. Richard Pine reports. The chairwoman of the Democratic Party's International Affairs Committee, Emily Lau, says she and her party have long called for greater rights for those holding BNO passports. But there's a renewed urgency given the imminent introduction of national security legislation. 
In a letter to Britain's Home Secretary, Priti Patel, the party notes the 1984 joint declaration laid out the terms for handing the people of the then-British colony over to Chinese communist rule. They say Beijing's decision to impose a national security law on Hong Kong is in breach of the joint declaration and marks the end of one country, two systems. Emily Lau says even without the new law, Britain has a responsibility it needs to live up to. She says giving people assurances would put them at ease. It's a lifeboat. It's an escape route. Because I think many people do not want to leave Hong Kong. They live in Hong Kong, they are happy, but now they are terrified of being arrested by the communists and taken back to mainland China for trial or be locked up and tortured and disappear. And these cases we see in mainland China many times with the dissidents, with the lawyers, with the religious groups. And we fear that these things will happen to us. But if they can have the citizenship in their pocket, they will stay. Ms Lau says that is until things go very wrong and people will bail out of Hong Kong. She acknowledges it's not an easy ask and says it's something she's been pointing out for more than 30 years. If you think you have a responsibility for the people, why don't you discharge it completely? Instead of saying, oh, you come and earn your, uh, your citizenship after a few years. So this is the point that we, we make in the letter and we hope the British government would listen. And I think many Hong Kong people will support it. The party is also asking the British government to extend BNO eligibility to dependents of BNO passport holders, as well as people who were born before 1997, but whose parents did not apply for BNO passports for them, because they were handed over to authoritarian China without having any say. The party suggests another system should be devised to look after people born after 1997. It also asked Britain to liaise with the other Five Eyes countries, Canada, the US, Australia and New Zealand, to urge them to give right of abode to BNO passport holders as well. Asked about Beijing's threat of countermeasures if Britain goes ahead with its citizenship offer, Democratic Party district councillors Ramon Yoon, Douglas Jung and Edith Leung said they don't believe Hong Kong people will be scared off by suggestions people could be stripped of their right of abode or voting rights here pointing out that there are family members of government officials and some lawmakers who hold foreign citizenship, and they would be the first to lose their rights. The catering industry has applauded the government's decision to lift most social gathering restrictions at restaurants and bars, saying it will help revive the embattled sector. Authorities announced a rise in local unemployment yesterday, with the jobless rate spiking to 14.8% for the food and beverage sector. The president of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades, Simon Wong, told Priscilla Ng that the relaxation on gatherings from Friday will breathe new life into the industry and he believes eateries will soon begin hiring again. This is good news for the catering industry. Yeah. Uh, the secretary has announced uh, the relaxing of the social distancing measure and uh, I already see that yesterday there are already a lot of bookings for the Father's Day celebration and uh, this is good news for us. Mm, of course, uh, the latest unemployment rate has skyrocketed to 5.9% with the uh, catering sector skyrocketing to 14.8%. So do you think that the relaxing of these um, measures will really help bring down unemployment in the longer run? Well, first of all, uh, I'm amazed but uh, expected that the uh, unemployment rate has gone up to 14.8% for the catering industry. 
And uh, I can also see that because of the relaxing of the uh, social distancing measure, more people uh, will come out uh, to, you know, uh, have dinner, have uh, lots of parties, especially for the, like, uh, they have a big, gatherings such as a lot of celebrations and also uh, gatherings for companies and you know something like that and and i see that the uh, restaurants would hire more people for the next uh, few months especially when uh, the government is launching another measure to give out the 10,000 cash to each person in hong kong and i believe that part of the money will also go into uh, the, the market. And, well, at least uh, one-third of the money will, will go uh, to spend on, on catering and also on retail. So I, I would see that uh, it will also help uh, the business in general and also help the unemployment rate. So do you think that uh, businesses will go back to normal very soon? Well, it will not uh, resume normal uh, business. One uh, reason is that uh, we still uh, do not have enough travelers from abroad uh, coming to Hong Kong. And then, you know, because for the catering industry, about 8% of our income or, or revenue uh, uh, contributed by the tourists. And uh, if we don't have uh, the tourists coming to Hong Kong, the total turnover of our industry will decline by 8%. But having said that, uh, because like uh, Hong Kong people cannot go abroad to travel or to you know, visit some other countries, especially uh, during summertime, uh, normally uh, people in Hong Kong would do a lot of traveling. Uh, but now they would stay in Hong Kong and with the $10,000 cash uh, in their pocket, they, they are going to spend their money. So uh, it will not be too bad uh, for the whole situation, especially for this summer. China says it has agreed with India to resolve the border dispute peacefully after Monday's deadly confrontation. Foreign Ministry spokesman Xia Lijian says Beijing wants to avoid further clashes along the Himalayan border. Anna-Marie Evans asked RTHK's Delhi correspondent, Morali Krishnan, just how serious this situation is. Well, it is very, very serious. This is the worst flare-up on the line of actual control in more than five decades. You know, 20 army Indian personnel, including a commanding officer, having been killed. And I believe that the casualties could rise even further because many of the soldiers are still undergoing treatment in some of the military base camps at, in, in Ladakh, in Leh. So it is a very, very, very serious confrontation. And uh, there is a... This, uh, at this particular point, there's anger, outrage, and more importantly, India is uh, still weighing its options. And we've not really had much of a sort of a reaction, except from a very, very brief uh, reaction from the prime minister. Uh, not in this connection, he was addressing the chief ministers of the, of the country, uh, addressing the pandemic. And he says these uh, bodies, these deaths will not go in vain. That is his only short, pithy comment which he gave. So obviously that, that is quite serious. But what's more important? I guess is that this episode throws up many new challenges in this already fraught road to de-escalation. What we saw a day before yesterday and the last two days was a 40-day border standoff, one of the longest in the last three decades.
and many had actually thought it would sort of de-escalate and both armies would retreat to their respective positions but that has not happened and we really don't know how many casualties as you rightly pointed out the Chinese suffered but the Indian toll can go up. Indeed so what's going to happen now? First off, the bloc, Prime Minister Narendra Modi wants to sort of, um, sort of gauge the national reaction, which is right now, of anger, outrage. Uh, he has called for an all-party meeting on Friday to assess what should be the next steps forward. We've already seen right now after the reactions across the country in terms of after the uh, news of the death of the 20 soldiers. We've seen protests uh, break out in many parts of the country, Rajasthan, Jammu, Gujarat, Jharkhand, where protesters were burning effigies of Xi Jinping, and they also held sit-in demonstrations to boycott Chinese goods. There is a clamor, obviously, for India to sort of uh, retaliate, but that's not going to happen. And we can't go in by what the national sentiment is, but there obviously will be more talks. But what is apparent right now is that the kind of uh, investment which both countries have had, though it is a long border issue which has not been resolved for so many years, is that the kind of diplomatic effort which has been invested in this relationship, both Modi and Xi have had 18 meetings in the last six years. Modi is is the first prime minister who's visited China more than five times, most by any Indian prime minister. So is all this going to come to naught? That is the biggest, biggest uh, problem. Are we going to get back to the drawing board to find out where we begin all over again? These are issues which will confront both the, the military as well as the diplomatic establishments. And I think that um, a lot of planning will go in the next coming days and weeks to find out how to take this dialogue forward. War is certainly not the solution. So this is a question where we have to actually wait and watch where both sides cool off for the present and then come back to the negotiating table. Those stories were part of the NewsRap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Steve Dunson from our newsroom. And now it's time for Nostalgia. If you receive any phone call asking for your online banking account numbers or passwords, stay alert. This is a phone scam. Swindlers may impersonate a law enforcement officer and claim that you have committed a crime. They may even ask you to input personal data into a website or mobile application to steal your money. If you come across any suspected scams, call the police anti-scam helpline 1-8-2-2. Don't be conned. Beware of deception. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to remember.
that was the introduction to Nostalgia with yours truly, Ray Cordero. Let's welcome Jim Reeves. I love you because you understand it. Every single thing I try to do. the world may say 